Every generation loves to complain about the generation coming along, but at the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards, surprisingly sharp. Beginning with kids born in 1995, they spend a, a, a lot less time going out with friends, they don't get a driver's license as often, they don't drink as much, they don't go out on dates, they don't work for money as much. What are they doing? They're spending a lot more time sitting on their beds with their devices, interacting that way. So in a lot of ways, Gen Z has been denied the independence, the independent play that previous generations got. We don't know if this is for sure the reason, but they seem to have more difficulty working out problems on their own. When we protect children from unpleasantness, from conflicts, from insults, from teasing, from exclusion, we are setting them up to be weak, to be more easily damaged, to be more easily discouraged. Oof, what's going on, my friend? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Real English Radio. I am your host, Tony Kaizen. And you guessed it, my friend. Today we're talking all about Generation Z, Gen Z, as they call it, across the pond. And of course, so many people online for so many years now have just shat all over Gen Z, these lazy, weak fucking snowflakes who aren't ready for real life. But if you ask people like Jonathan Haidt, which is the person that you just heard, if you ask lots of people like him or even me, I would say that it's not necessarily the fault of Gen Z that they're not prepared for what we know of as real life. And that's what we're talking about today. So before we get deeper into this topic and I give you some some things to think about before I put some fucking fat on your brain, we're going to go back to the beginning of that clip and I'll break it down bit by bit to make sure you understand it all before we continue. All right. Give me just a second. Let me go back to the beginning. All right, here we go. Every generation loves to complain about the generation coming along, but at the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards. Okay, every generation loves to complain about the generation coming along. In this case, when he says coming along, he basically means arriving, the generation that's coming after the current one. So if something comes along, it arrives casually. I hope that makes sense. It's kind of hard to give you a literal definition of that, because if you look at the dictionary, it'll say something like coming along refers to the subsequent or upcoming thing, in this case, the generation that follows the generation that's currently in focus. So if you think about millennials, the generation that comes along after millennials is Gen Z. So every generation loves to co complain about the generation that comes after the current one. My parents complained about my generation. I'm sure my grandparents complained about my parents' generation. It's just what we do. You know, these fucking kids, they don't know shit about life. That isn't music. These motherfucking kids, you know? So every generation complains about the generation that's coming along or arriving or the next generation. But at the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards. So when he says there's a very sharp change, change. He's not talking about sharp like a knife or a machete or some other sharp object that you use to cut or impale things. When he says a sharp change, he means a very distinct change. It's very noticeable. It's very clear that there was a major change, a drastic change, a sharp change from one generation to the next. A very distinct difference between life for millennials when they were 18 and life for Gen Z 
when they're now 18. I hope that makes sense. And then he finally says, there's a sharp change. What did he say? At the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards. So when he says afterwards, he just means after whatever moment he just mentioned. So kids born in 1995 and all the years after that. Anytime you hear the word afterwards, it just means after whatever I've just mentioned. Okay. All right, let's continue. Every generation loves to complain about the generation coming along, but at the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards, surprisingly sharp. Beginning with kids born in 1995, they spend a, a, a lot less time going out with friends, they don't get a driver's license as often, they don't drink as much, they don't go out on dates, they don't work for money as much. Okay, so beginning with kids born in 1995, they spend a lot less time going out with friends. So going out, you might already know this, but going out, he just means, generally speaking, engaging in social activities outside of your home. So you might go out to a bar, you might go out to a party, you might go out to a public park, you might go out to, I don't know, what you do in your free time with your friends, but you go out, you leave the house and go do something to be social, spend time with friends, that type of stuff. So beginning with kids born in 1995, they're going out a lot less. They're getting driver, excuse me, they're not getting driver's license as often. They don't drink as much. They don't go out on dates, et cetera, et cetera. So when he says they don't get a driver's license as often, really he's saying as often as previous generations or with the same frequency as previous generations. So less people are getting driver's licenses, less people are drinking, less people are going out on dates. I should be saying fewer. Fewer people are getting driver's license, fewer people are drinking, fewer people are going out on dates, and fewer people are working for money, right? Not as frequently or as commonly as millennials, Gen Xers, or baby boomers, okay? All right, let me go back a few seconds and we will continue. They spend a, a, a lot less time going out with friends. They don't get a driver's license as often. They don't drink as much. They don't go out on dates. They don't work for money as much. What are they doing? They're spending a lot more time sitting on their beds with their devices, interacting that way. So in a lot of ways, Gen Z has been denied the independence, the independent play that previous generations got. Okay, so in a lot of ways, Gen Z has been denied the independence the independent play that previous generations got. When he says denied, in this case, if they are denied something, it means that they are prevented from having or experiencing something. So if they have been denied independence, it means that their parents or grandparents or whoever raised them did not let them have independence. The same way my parents or grandparents would have let their kids have more independence, go out and play and discover things on their own. A lot of parents these days, excuse me, a lot of parents these days are much more protective. They want to keep their kids in the house. They want to keep their kids on a device so they can just sit down, shut the fuck up and let, and let them enjoy a glass of wine after a long day or something like that. I don't know what all the reasons are, but it seems clear that kids these days are not allowed to have the same level of independence that I or my parents had when we were kids. So these kids have been denied that independence. All right, let's continue. So in a lot of ways, Gen Z has been denied the independence, the independent play that previous generations got. 
We don't know if this is for sure the reason, but they seem to have more difficulty working out problems on their own. They seem to have a lot more difficulty working out problems on their own. So to work out a problem is practically the same thing as resolving a problem or figuring out a solution to a problem. So what he's saying is Gen Z seems to have a much more difficult time resolving issues on their own. It seems that they need to rely on other people to resolve issues that my generation or my parents' generation would have resolved by ourselves without help from other adults or our parents or teachers or whatever. But Gen Z, for whatever reason, seems to have more difficulty working out their own problems. ...that previous generations got. We don't know if this is for sure the reason, but they seem to have more difficulty working out problems on their own. When we protect children from unpleasantness, from conflicts, from insults, from teasing, from exclusion, we are setting them up to be weak, to be more easily damaged, to be more easily discouraged. All right, there's quite a few words there I want to explain. So when we protect children from unpleasantness, unpleasantness is just something that is unfavorable, something that's not nice, something that's not enjoyable. So when we protect kids from unpleasantness, from conflict, from insult, and insults are just comments or remarks that are typically offensive, that are, you know, offensive comments that are directed towards somebody in particular. So you're fucking ugly. That's an insult. You're an idiot. That is an insult. You know, something that is meant to offend the other person or degrade the other person in some way, right? If we protect them from unpleasantness, conflicts, insults, or teasing, which is another important word, to tease somebody means to make fun of them or to provoke somebody in a playful way or sometimes in a hurtful way. So maybe you're a kid in school and you have a really big nose. I mean, so big that it's the first thing people see when they look at you. Other kids might make fun of you or tease you about your nose, making jokes, making you feel bad about the size of your nose, you know, creating that insecurity in you. That's teasing. Now, it's important to know that teasing isn't always negative because you might tease your friends, you might tease your kids, you might tease your coworkers in a playful way that's not meant to hurt their feelings. You're just joking. It's just what we do with friends. But depending on the context, teasing people or making fun of people can be a very negative thing. And in this case, I believe he's saying tease in a negative way. So when we protect kids from that teasing or we protect kids from exclusion, we are setting them up, or in other words, we are just preparing them to be weak, to be more easily damaged, to be more easily discouraged. And when he says more easily discouraged, it means that they're going to lose confidence much more easily. They're going to lose enthusiasm for whatever they're doing much more easily, whether it's learning new skills, learning to speak a language or how to make friends or get a job. Gen Z will give up or lose that confidence or enthusiasm to try and accomplish new things much more easily than previous generations because, in his words, we have spent so much time protecting them from the harsh realities of life. Unpleasant situations, conflict, insults, teasing, fighting, exclusion, all these different things. These are realities of life, whether we like it or not. And I believe he's saying when we try to remove those harsh realities of life from our children's lives, we're just making it harder for them in the long run or long term. Because at some point, you're going to have to grow up and be an adult and there's going to be nobody to protect you. And that's just life. It's like that for every form of life on the planet. So according to Jonathan, and I, I agree with his words, when you try to eliminate those realities, you're really just making it difficult or more difficult 
in the long run. I think that's really the main idea of this entire clip. Okay, so let me go back and play it one more time from start to finish, and hopefully it'll be much more, uh, much easier to understand. Here we go. Every generation loves to complain about the generation coming along, but at the same time, there's a very sharp change with kids who were born in 1995 and afterwards, surprisingly sharp. Beginning with kids born in 1995, they spend a, a, a lot less time going out with friends. They don't get a driver's license as often. They don't drink as much. They don't go out on dates. They don't work for money as much. What are they doing? They're spending a lot more time sitting on their beds with their devices, interacting that way. So in a lot of ways, Gen Z has been denied the independence, the independent play that previous generations got. We don't know if this is for sure the reason, but they seem to have more difficulty working out problems on their own. When we protect children from unpleasantness, from conflicts, from insults, from teasing, from exclusion, we are setting them up to be weak, to be more easily damaged, to be more easily discouraged. Oof, talk about depressing, man. <laughs> and you know what's funny is I was just going to play this clip and this clip alone for this episode. And once I finished preparing everything, I was on Twitter and I saw a video about, um, well, I saw a video of this young lady from Generation Z complaining about dealing with the harsh realities of adult life, you know? So it's very interesting. I don't know if these platforms are listening to us all the time. I don't know if they have access to my, to my notes here and they just knew I was working on this episode, but I can't tell you how many times I've been working on an episode or talking about something and then I start seeing that content on social media. It's a little strange, but in this case, very helpful because I think it's going to add value to this episode. So now that we've played that clip from Jonathan Haidt, I'm going to play the clip that I found on social media of this young lady basically venting, you know, like trying to express her thoughts and feelings and see if other people think and feel the same way. She's very stressed. She's very uh, unhappy with her current life and having to adapt to adult life after high school and university and things like that. So I'm going to play this clip now, and I want you to hear what she has to say about adjusting to the harsh realities of adult life. Here we go. I know I'm probably just being so dramatic and annoying, but this is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college. And I'm in person and I'm commuting in the city and it takes me fucking forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So that's off the table. Like fucking duh. If I was able to walk to work and it, it'd be fine, but I'm not. So it literally takes me like I leave here, like I get on the train at 730 and I don't get home till like 615 earliest. And then like I don't have time to do anything. I don't I want to shower eat my dinner and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook my dinner either. Like I don't have energy to work out like that's out the window. Like I'm so upset. Oh my God. Nothing to do with my job at all, but just like the nine to five schedule in general is crazy. Being in the office nine to five, like if it was remote, you get off at five and you're home and everything's fine. But like, I'm not home. It takes me long to get home. And like, like people that drive to the office like it doesn't you don't get off at five and i know it could be worse i know i could be working longer but like i literally get off it's pitch black like i don't have energy how do you have friends like how do you have time to like meet like a guy i don't know like how do you have time for like dating like i don't have time for anything and i'm like so stressed out and i'm also getting my period so that's why i'm all emotional but like am i so dramatic it's fine <laughs> 
Oh, man, I fucking love her. All right, man. I will say before we continue, do not feel bad. Don't feel stressed. Don't feel frustrated with yourself if you had a really hard time understanding her. Because I just realized as I was playing that clip how fucking fast she's actually talking. And she used lots of little expressions, a little bit of slang, and she was emotional while she was talking. So understand that if you had a hard time following everything she said, it's normal. All right. It's totally normal. And remember, if you are subscribed on Patreon, if you are a member of the Real English Radio community, then you have access to both the transcript and the vocabulary guide and explanation. So be sure to check that out. Now, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this clip and explain it bit by bit just to make sure all of it was clear, because, again, she was talking quite fast and there is a lot of useful language to be learned in this simple clip. All right. So give me a second. Let me go back to the beginning and explain a few things. Here we go. I know I'm probably just being so dramatic and annoying, but this is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college and I'm in person and I'm commuting in the city and it takes me fucking forever to get there. Okay, so she says, I'm, I know I'm probably being dramatic and annoying, which she's basically recognizing the fact that she might, she might be being a little unrealistic about the situation. Maybe she's just being dramatic. Maybe she needs to just grow up and be an adult. And she's recognizing that. But this is her first job, her first nine to five job. And this is something that you'll hear very often with English speakers. And when we say nine to five, which is really what you'll hear people say, they won't even say nine to five job. They'll just say, I'm working a nine to five, or I have a nine to five, or this is my first nine to five. And they're just referring to the typical working hours, nine in the morning, to five in the afternoon, my nine to five job. So this is my first full-time job. That's another thing you'll hear people say. So I know I'm probably being dramatic and annoying, but this is my first full-time job after college and I'm in person and I'm commuting. When she says in person, she just means that she's actually going to the office. She's working there and doing things in person as opposed to online or as opposed to remotely. So she's in person, she's commuting to the city, and it takes her fucking forever to get there. So to commute to work just means to travel to work. Your commute describes that trip from home to the office and then to the office or from the office back to your home. That is your commute. Or when you're making that trip, you are commuting. I hope that makes sense. So she's in person, she's commuting to the city, which suggests that she lives far away from the city and she has to drive a long distance to get to work. And we see that when she says, it takes me fucking forever to get there. So if something takes forever, it just means that the process to complete or to complete that process, it takes a long time. It's just a more American way of saying it. it takes me fucking forever to get to work. And so I think that was where I stopped. So let me go back a few seconds and we'll continue. I'm in person and I'm commuting in the city and it takes me fucking forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. Man, she rattled that sentence off like crazy. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to let me slow it down. She said, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city. Let me play that one more time. And it takes me fucking forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to afford. So the words really are, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford. But 
in American English, we connect our words like crazy. So she said, there's no way I'm gonna be able to. I'm going to be able to. I'm gonna be able to. It's a very, very, very common feature of spoken American English. So replay that as many times as you need to because you are going to hear it. I've probably talked like that on this podcast and I don't even realize it. And I know a lot of other Americans speak that way. So back to her words. She says, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So to be able to afford something just means to have enough money to pay for something. So she's saying, there's no way I'm going to have enough money to live in the city. It's just too expensive. And then she says, that's off the table. That's off the table. I don't think I played that part again. So let me go back a few seconds. To get there, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So that's off the table. Like, fucking duh. <laughs> okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So that's off the table. If something is off the table, it basically means that it is not up for consideration. It's not an option. Right. Because typically if something's on the table, it's referring to the, the metaphorical table that you sit at when you are going to negotiate some something with somebody else. I mean, if something's on the table, it is up for negotiation. It is negotiable. Right. If it's off the table, that means this is not an option that we are considering. That's off the table. So living in the city, making enough money to live in the city, that's not an option. That's off the table. And then she finishes by saying, fucking duh fucking duh and the word duh d-u-h duh is a word that we use when we want to sarcastically emphasize that something is obvious like you're stupid if you don't realize this is obvious that's basically what we're communicating so you have to be careful with that because it can be taken the wrong way and people might get offended they might feel like you're calling them stupid you might sound a little bit arrogant when you say fucking duh like are you dumb are you stupid duh you know what I mean? So let me play it one more time. Forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So that's off the table. Like fucking duh. If I was able to walk to work and it, it'd be fine, but I'm not. Okay. So again, she's when she says fucking duh, she's saying like, obviously I'm not going to be able to afford to live in the city that's off the table obviously i'm not making enough money i can't live in the city right now so i have to commute fucking duh that's obvious everybody is in this same situation we all know that is not an option if you ask me that's what she's communicating all right so let's continue so it literally takes me like i leave here like i get on the train at 7 30 and i don't get home till like 6 15 earliest and then like i don't have time to do anything i don't i want to shower eat my dinner and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook by dinner either. Like I don't have energy to work out like that's out the window. Like, Okay. So she doesn't have time or energy to cook dinner, to work out or to do anything like that's out the window. And if somebody says that's out the window, it's very similar to saying that's off the table. It just means that it is no longer in consideration. That option is gone. That option has been discarded, metaphorically thrown out the window. You see what I'm saying? It's not on the table. You pick it up off the table and you woof, throw that shit out the window. It's gone. No longer an option, right? So she doesn't have energy to cook or clean or work out or do anything. All of that is out the window. All right. All right. Let me go back a few seconds and continue. I want to shower 
eat my dinner and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook my dinner either. Like, I don't have energy to work out. Like, that's out the window. Like, I'm so upset. Oh, my God. Nothing to do with my job at all. But just, like, the 9 to 5 schedule in general is crazy. Okay. So, one more time. She doesn't have time or energy to cook. She doesn't have time or energy to work out. Like, all that's out the window. And then she says, I'm so upset. I'm so, I'm so upset. That's how she said it. Uh, <laughs> and when she says upset, it just means it's, it's like frustrated. You know, you're not happy. You're agitated. You're stressed. You're disturbed with whatever's happening. If you're upset, it's typically because something has happened or somebody has said something to you that took away your happiness or your sense of peace. So she's upset. And she says, nothing to do with my job at all. And what she's saying is my frustration or my feeling upset has nothing to do with my job, meaning it's not in relation to my job. My frustration is not connected to my actual job, which suggests that she likes her job. So it's not the job itself, but just the nine to five work schedule is fucking crazy. So that's what she's saying. All right, let's continue. I'm so upset. Oh my God. Nothing to do with my job at all, but just like the nine to five schedule in general is crazy. Being in the office nine to five, like if it was remote, you get off at five and you're home and everything's fine. But okay. Being in the office nine to five, like if it was remote, meaning if she could work from home, you get off at five and you're home and everything is fine. So to get off work, it just means to stop working. It's the end of the workday. So if somebody says, what time you get off today? They're just asking, what time do you expect to stop working today? So if you work typically from nine to five, you go into the office or you get to the office, you arrive at the office at 9 a.m., probably before that, right? You start working at 9 a.m. and then you get off at five. You stop working and then you leave at 5 p.m. So if you're working nine to five remotely, you get off at five or you stop working at five and you're already at home and everything's fine. You don't have to travel from the office back to your house. That's what she's saying. All right, let's continue. My job at all, but just like the nine to five schedule in general is crazy. Being in the office nine to five, like if it was remote, you get off at five and you're home and everything's fine. But like, I'm not home. It takes me long to get home. And like, like people that drive to the office, like it doesn't, you don't get off at five. And I know it could be worse. I know I could be working longer, but like, I literally get off. It's pitch black. Like, I don't have energy. How do you have friends? Like, Okay, so she's saying people who work in the office or drive to the office, like, normally you don't even get off at five. You're expected to work longer than that. And so your workday is even longer because of that. And then she, she admits. She says, I know it could be worse. I know I could be working longer or be expected to work more hours. But I get off and it's pitch black. And when somebody says pitch black, it just means completely dark completely dark all you see is blackness so imagine you go into the office the sun is out the birds are chirping everything is beautiful and after an eight or nine hour day of soul-sucking work at this corporation you you leave the office and it's completely dark outside it's nighttime basically it's pitch black completely dark and she doesn't have energy she has no time to make friends she has no time to do anything so that's what she's saying all right we're almost done with the clip so let's continue office like it doesn't you don't get off at five and i know it could be worse i know i could be working longer but like i literally get off it's pitch black like i don't have energy how do you have friends like how do you have time to like 
meet like a guy i don't know like how do you have time for like dating like i don't have time for anything and i'm like so stressed out and i'm also getting my period so that's why i'm all emotional but like am i so dramatic it's fine (laughs) okay so she's saying like how do you have time to make friends how do you have time to meet a guy or date how do you have time for anything she's so stressed out and then she said I'm also getting my period, so that's why I'm all emotional. So to get your period or to be on your period, it's referring to that time of the month that every woman goes through when, um, I guess you, the technical term would be the the menstruation period, the menstrual period. Let me find actual, is it menstruation or menstrual period? I don't know which term would be correct in this case. I think it's menstrual. Let me see, menstruation cycle. No, menstrual cycle apparently is the correct term. The menstrual cycle. A normal menstrual cycle can last between 21 and 35 days. Jesus fucking Christ. So it's that time of the month that every woman goes through where um, she starts to discharge uh, blood and eggs from her vagina, for lack of a better way of saying it. You can see how uneducated I am on what's actually happening during the menstrual cycle. But now I feel the need to actually get the real explanation one for my own education but two so i don't leave you hanging you know what i'm saying please let's ask ChatGPT. please explain what exactly is happening during the menstrual cycle and i know this is completely off topic but hey this is real english radio we're doing this shit in real time certainly ChatGPT says the menstrual cycle is a complex sequence of hormonal and physiological changes that prepare a woman's body for potential pregnancy. The cycle, which typically lasts around 28 days, can be broken down into several phases. Here's a step-by-step overview of what happens. Phase one, the menstrual phase, days one to five on average. I'm not reading all this shit. Jesus Christ. Fucking seven paragraphs. Summarize this in one paragraph in a way that a teenager could understand fucking a dude every month a woman's body goes through a cycle preparing for a possible baby it starts with a period where the body gets rid of an unused lining meant for a baby then her ovaries prepare an egg and around the middle of the cycle the egg is released and travels hoping to meet a sperm if it doesn't the cycle ends with another period and everything starts again think of it like a monthly reset button for the body to either start a pregnancy or get ready to try again next month there you fucking go um i feel like i should have been able to say that i feel dumb (laughs) you know how like sometimes you know what's happening but you don't know what's happening um that's that's one of these cases anyway what i was going to point out is when she says i'm so stressed and i'm also getting my period that's why i'm all emotional that's what she's referring to she's referring to that time of the month where her hormones are going crazy and so the stress of the daily commute and the daily grind at work is just adding to her already emotional state that's really what she's saying so multiple times throughout the clip she's admittedly more emotional and more stressed than normal because she's getting her period and things like that. So she knows she might just be being a little dramatic. And that she said that from the beginning of the clip. And But she's asking. That's the reason she posted the video. She wants feedback from the general public. Like, am I just being dramatic? Or is it possible that somebody else understands what I'm feeling and going through? Like, am I crazy? Am I just being an annoying little kid right now? Or whatever. And then the last words she says in the clip are it's fine. 
It's fine. It's fine. And uh, she's being sarcastic. She's like, am I just being so dramatic? Like, I just can't take it. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Fuck it. It's fine. Forget it. Let me play it one more time to make sure it's clear. Me, like, a guy. I don't know. Like, how do you have time for, like, dating? Like, I don't have time for anything. And I'm, like, so stressed out. And I'm also getting my period. So that's why I'm all emotional. But, like, am I so dramatic? It's fine. <laughs> Yo, I fucking love her, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right, my friends. So hopefully that clip is much more clear now. It's pretty long. It's like 90 seconds, so I won't play it again. But I will leave timestamps for this episode. So hopefully, no matter where you're listening, you can go back to the exact time the clip starts if you want to play it again from start to finish. But let's move on with the episode. Because, again, this clip was posted on Twitter. And... I could totally identify with and understand what she's saying and where she's coming from. But as you might imagine, there were tons of millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers who could not wait to shit all over this fucking girl and tell her how she's a weak little fucking child who's not ready for real life. She's a fucking snowflake, this little baby and blah, 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 blah. So let me let me read some of the critical comments that were listed under this video on Twitter. First of all, let me read the caption on the video because when I saw this video, it wasn't posted on um, her Twitter feed. Somebody else. I know I'm probably just being oh, so. Shit. Hang on, hang on. Somebody else took the video and posted it on their Twitter. So this Twitter account says, "This recent college grad has a breakdown over working a job. We are doomed." So the person who posted this video is saying this college grad had a mental breakdown. She lost her her composure. You know, she's breaking down and crying and going crazy just because she finally has to work a real job. And then this person says, we are doomed. So if we are doomed, it means that we are destined for ruin and destruction. It's all over for us. The future does not look good. It looks horrible. This is the end for us. Basically saying that this girl is a representation of the entire generation. And this entire generation is our future. And if they're this fucking weak then we're done. This is the end of, our, of humanity. If this is how weak these kids actually are, that's basically what this person is communicating. And so let me go back to the comments under the video. One person says, our ancestors, and then they put in quote marks, time to wake up at 4 a.m. to milk the cows, feed the animals, plow the fields, churn the butter, and knit a new sweater. And then under that, it says Gen Z. Why can't I just do nothing and live for free? So they're ironically comparing our ancestors to Gen Z and saying, well, back in the day, our ancestors had to wake up at four in the morning and like work on a farm all fucking day, milk the cows and feed the animals and plow the fields, churn the butter, knit new sweaters, raise the kids. And these days, Gen Z is just crying because they actually have to work and they can't have everything for free. That's what they're communicating with that, with that tweet. Another person says, I work in a factory building engines and transmissions from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Jesus Christ. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Jesus Christ, I work in a factory building engines and transmissions from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m., 12 hours, six days a week. And she's crying about an eight hour day. I wish for one day she could do my job, then she would not be crying about hers. Come on, dog. All right, moving on. The next person says, Wait until she realizes she probably might need to work two jobs to even make ends meet. And to make ends meet is basically an expression that means to make enough money to keep your bills paid, buy food, and survive. That's what it means to make ends meet. All right, and somebody else says, damn, during my first job on Wall Street as an investment banker, associate, oh, I see what he's saying. Let me read that again. During my first job on Wall Street as an investment bank associate or junior level employee, I got into the office at 7 a.m. and didn't leave until 10.30 or 11 p.m. Fucking A. I worked half days on Saturday. This was how you, quote unquote, climbed the corporate ladder. And yet this younger generation's wonder. Damn, I can't fucking read. And yet this younger generation wonders why they'll never be successful or prosperous or able to pay off student loans. I paid off my major undergrad and graduate student loans in three and a half years. This is a long sentence, so it's hard to read without losing you. I'm trying to break it into parts so you, you can follow me, but I'll just read the whole thing and hopefully you'll be able to follow. I'm just going to start that whole tweet again. He says, damn, during my first job on Wall Street as an investment bank associate, I got into the office at 7 a.m. and didn't leave until 10.30 or 11 p.m. and worked half days on Saturday. This was how you climbed the corporate ladder. And yet this younger generation wonders why they'll never be successful or prosperous or able to pay off student loans or later be able to afford homes and live the good life. Grow up, kiddies, and welcome to the world. And then he puts in parentheses, go visit Cambodia, Indonesia, or India and see how people make a living before crying like little entitled babies. All right, uh, moving on. The next person says, I used to take the 945 train from Connecticut to New York City. I worked at a newspaper from noon until midnight. I used to take the 1 a.m. train. Oh, I read, damn, I really can't read today. I'm sorry, y'all. Let me start that again. I used to take the 945 train from Connecticut to New York City. I worked at a newspaper from noon, or 12 p.m., until midnight, 12 a.m. Then I would take the 1 a.m. train back to my house, get in my bed at 3 a.m., then wake up and get back on the train to do it all again. Later, I got a gig, 
or a job in talk radio where I woke up at 4 a.m., worked nonstop all day until midnight, six days a week for years. This girl doesn't know anything about hard work. <laughs> These fucking people, man. All right, next tweet. Try running a small business that requires you to commute all around your state, managing several projects and employees, working 10 to 14 hours a day, and being a single dad with primary custody. And when he says a single dad with primary custody, he means that he divorced his wife, but he is the one that's primarily responsible for his kids. He has custody of his kids and not his wife. Let me read that again. Try running a small business that requires you to commute all around your state, managing several projects and employees, working 10 to 14 hours a day, and being a single dad with primary custody. Then come talk to me. Life's tough. Get used to it. Hmm. All right, next, next tweet. We've all had those days, hormonal and exhausted, wishing our lives were easier and more fun. We don't all post our emotional venting on a worldwide platform, though. Probably should rethink that part. So this guy's saying, I understand where you're coming from. We've all had those days, but you probably shouldn't be posting this shit on social media. You know, whether you agree with that or not, I guess is uh, up to you. All right, one more critical tweet. This person says, I'm sorry, I get up at 3.30 in the morning and start my day. I leave for work at 5.45 and work from 6.15 in the morning to 6 in the afternoon, five days a week. I get home around 6.30, take care of my dog, watch my shows, and fix supper, which is another word for dinner, and fix dinner while watching my shows. By 8.30, I'm in the shower, and by 9.30, I am in bed. It's called a routine. I'm 53 and been pulling the long shift for 37 years now. No video for me. No crying. Just get it done. Put on your big girl panties and get her done. Man. So no sympathy from this list of people, as I'm sure you can fucking see. God damn, they really shat all over her, bro. But, but, but the other half of Twitter was very empathetic and could easily see where she was coming from, and they felt the same way. So now I'm going to read a few tweets expressing a more empathetic view <laughs> of this video. All right, here we go. The first person says, I mean, she has a point, you know? It's fun to make fun of college students who have never experienced life before, but she's not lying. She has a reason to feel so bad. This is why people want remote jobs. A nine-to-five job means at least two hours of commuting per day, usually more in some places. It requires more time, more spending, and sometimes there's no logical reason behind it. This also means that from Monday to Friday, you literally have no life. Then on weekends, you find yourself having to take care of the apartment and other stuff you couldn't do during the week. So literally, you only have a few hours on Sunday for yourself unless you steal hours from your sleep, meaning unless you sleep less hours or fewer hours. He goes on to say, I was in her situation before the pandemic, and I wouldn't like to go back to that. This whole notion of, ha ha, get over it, this is life, just goes to show that many people seem to have accepted corporate slavery as the way to live. A life that will barely keep you alive while making you dependent on a job that won't even allow you to afford home ownership most of the time. There's nothing more anti-traditional, anti-family, and therefore anti-conservative than corporate life. That was very well said, if you ask me. All right, moving on to the next one. In her defense, it used to be 
that a nine to five would pay the bills and give you plenty of extra spending money. And then he puts in quotations, the juice was worth the squeeze. And I've never heard this before, but basically what he's communicating is like the, the reward or the compensation that you get for grinding so hard and working so much, it was worth it. Because back in the day, you could work nine to five, slaving away at your job, and you may not be the happiest person on the planet, but even just with that one job, you could pay the bills and have a little bit of money to invest or buy your kids a fucking ice cream, take them to Disneyland or some shit. So the grind was worth the reward. The juice was worth the squeeze, right? He's referring to squeezing the piece of fruit to get the juice out of it. So the reward was worth the effort is really what he's saying. And the last thing he says is, but not in Biden's economy, not even close. So he got a little political there and he's basically saying the way the economy is right now is because of President Joe Biden. He's saying it's his fault. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he's saying. All right. Moving on to the next tweet. This person says it's now woke to want leisure time and to be woke. I really don't like that word, but to be woke basically means it's now it's now considered progressive and you're considered intelligent and intellectual and you really understand what's going on in society. It's, it's now trendy to be a person that wants leisure time or time to relax. So it's now woke to want leisure time, to have time to find a partner and maybe own a house one day, which is sad. All right, the next person says, my take or my opinion on this has changed. I used to be like, get over it, it's a job. But the way our leadership has destroyed the economy, most people who have to commute are merely working to afford to work. So while I'm not sympathetic, I'm more empathetic than I used to be. So let me explain that. He says that in the past, he used to think one way, but his opinion has changed. He used to say things like, get over it. It's a job. This is life. That's the way it is. But because of the way our leadership or our government has destroyed the economy, most people who have to commute to work are merely working to afford to work. When he says that, he's basically saying, like, you're just getting up every day and going to work just so you can continue to pay the bills and pay for your car and pay for the train fare or whatever and go back to work. If you stop doing that, you will not be able to survive. So you're literally just living to work and working to live, right? It's just this endless cycle that a lot of people will find themselves trapped in. So he's not sympathetic. He doesn't feel sorry. He doesn't feel pity for this girl, but he does feel empathetic, meaning I, I understand what she's feeling and I know where she's coming from. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. All right, next one. This guy says, you took the wrong stance on this. Really, he wrote the words, wrong take and your take on something is like your opinion or your perspective on something because remember the person who posted this video says recent college grad has has a breakdown over working a job we're doomed right society is doomed and this guy responds by saying that is the wrong take you misinterpreted the video your opinion is not fair and it's you have the wrong perspective okay he says she's pointing out the absurdity of modernity and the artificial impositions it places on our ability to live meaningful and happy lives. You may not like her aesthetic, but it's a sound objection rooted in observation and experience. Now, that was a very sophisticated way of saying you misunderstood her, her video. You didn't, you just didn't get it. You know, she's pointing out or she's highlighting the absurd nature of corporate culture, the hustle culture, having to work nine to five or even eight to six or even seven to fucking seven and then commute an hour or two hours to and from work 
and you still can't live a happy, meaningful life. You still can't buy a house. You and your wife or your husband might not be able to afford raising multiple children. You can't send them to good schools. You can't take them on vacations, right? So you may not like the way she expressed herself, but her objection or her, her video, her thoughts and opinions are rooted in an observation that's based on experience. So it's like what basically what she's saying is some real shit. She's not just this isn't just a unique case. A lot of people around the world of all ages think and feel the same way. They just typically don't say anything. They just accept that this is the way things are. She just is a person who happened to make a video and put it on the Internet to express herself. I believe that's what he's saying. Right. All right. Last one. This person says, I get that it sucks and empathize with the fact that maybe she never had to experience real work until 20 years of age. It's not her fault that her parents in college did not prepare her for the real world. It's her fault if she doesn't adapt going forward. All right, there you go, my friends. So we've heard some critical comments and we've heard some more uh, <laughs> supportive comments <laughs> from the people on Twitter. And I have to say, just to give you my personal thoughts, to give you my opinion, I totally empathize with this young girl. And I think it's a little bit harsh to shit on her and say, well, that's just life. You're fucking weak, you little snowflake. Welcome to the real world, sweetheart. Get over it. I totally agree with the idea that it just shows how so many people have accepted that this is just the way things are done. That doesn't mean it's normal or acceptable, right? Nobody who works 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week should be struggling to pay their bills and support a family. That is fucking retarded, bro. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And we all know that and we all feel that and we all complain about that to our friends or family. We all wish we had more time for ourselves. We all know that the price of living is increasing while salaries are not. And we know that's fucking ridiculous. So I don't think it's fair just because somebody from Gen Z is complaining about it that we shit all over them and say, oh, you fucking weak little kid. Welcome to the real world, snowflake. First of all, it's insensitive. And it's also like, bro, you feel the same way. You have just accepted the fact that you're a slave. She's just complaining about it and saying, yo, this is not okay. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And we also have to accept the fact that, okay, even if these kids are weak and unprepared for life, that is not their fault. It's millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers who raised Gen Z. So you can't, like, raise, you can't do a shitty job raising your children and then complain about the results. It's like, it's your fucking fault. It's the parents, whoever her parents are, it's their fault. Whoever taught them, her in school, it's their fault. It's not the kid's fault for not knowing something that they don't know. It's not, it's not the kid's fault for not knowing something, you know? It is not her fault that she didn't get the real world experience necessary to be able to adapt more easily to real life. I don't think that's the fault of Gen Z. I really don't. And it's easy for millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers to complain and talk shit about Gen Z when we didn't grow up with social media like they did. We didn't grow up with these highly potent, highly addictive software applications that suck away all our time and energy, that hack our dopamine centers and serotonin centers in our brain and just make us want to sit at home and scroll on our phones all day. My parents didn't grow up with that shit, nor did my grandparents. And I think I was a teenager already when MySpace came around and then Facebook and shit. So I was already, you know, along the path. I was finishing my teenage years. So they're really the first generation to grow up with this shit. And then on top of that, 
parents just stopped parenting their fucking children. Stop preparing them for real life. And now everybody wants to like point the finger at Gen Z and say, oh, these lazy pieces of shit, these weak, sensitive little kids. It's like, okay, bro, but whose fault is that? It's not theirs. It's not theirs, you know? So I think there's multiple factors involved. And I don't think that Gen... Obviously, there are a lot of kids in Gen Z that are just fucking lazy, that are way too sensitive, that are weak as fuck. That is true. But I think we have to acknowledge the fact that there's a reason for that, at least. Right? This weak-ass generation is a symptom of a deeper problem. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just out of nowhere. It's not just because they want to be that way. Right? I think that's one thing that I've found very common online and just in popular culture these days, especially in the West, is it's very easy to like just complain and complain and talk shit about a particular person or situation, but we never stop to analyze like, how did this become a problem? Like, what is the source of this? It's just easier to talk shit and feel good about yourself, you know? If you're 30 or 40 or 50 years old, you're like, hey, look at these fucking weak ass kids. I'm so much stronger than they are. They have no idea what real life is like. It's like, but how can you be so sure that you wouldn't be the same as them if you grew up in the same time? How could you be so sure? Most of us would be the exact same way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I just, I think it's a little insensitive. I think it's a bit disingenuous as well to pretend that you wouldn't be the same way if you were in their position. Or that they wouldn't be the same way if they were in your position. You know what I'm saying? Because if they grew up as Gen Xers or baby boomers, they would probably be a lot stronger and better prepared for life. But times are different. Times are just different. And I think we can all agree it is fucking ridiculous that you're working nine to five and you can't pay your bills. I don't care where you're from, who you are, or how old you are. That is fucking ridiculous. And we all just kind of accept it. So I think. You know, although I also probably wouldn't be on social media like crying and posting a video about it. She has the right and the freedom to express herself however she wants. And what she's saying is some real shit. So you may not like the way she's saying it. But I think what she's saying is some real shit. And I think we have to respect that. Because I don't know if I agree with the idea that all of Gen Z is just a bunch of lazy, sensitive little bitches. I don't really agree with that. I think that a lot of them are just awake and paying attention and realizing like, yo, this doesn't make any sense. Because in the past, you could work nine to five and pay your bills and support a family. You cannot do that anymore. How is that okay? How do we all just accept that? You know what I'm saying? How the fuck, we all just, you know, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> it's like, I think Gen Z is just waking up and be like, nah, there's, there has to be a better alternative. That's why so many kids want to be influencers, TikTokers, Instagrammers, YouTubers, content creators, entrepreneurs, business people. Because at least that way I can wake up and do something I actually want to do. And I'm seeing all these other people making money doing it. So I at least have a chance. I at least have a chance to live a life I really want to live as opposed to being a fucking corporate slave for the next 60 years. And at the end of those 60 years, I still can't retire because my pension isn't high enough. So I'm going to have to work until I'm 76. 80 fucking years old doing some bullshit job when I should be enjoying time with my grandkids or traveling the world or whatever the fuck I want to do with my time after working 60 years. That's just not the case anymore. And so I think Gen Z is completely right when they say, yo, this is bullshit. 
this is bullshit because it's not just Gen Z that's saying that. But for some reason, when an adult says it, a millennial or a Gen Xer or a baby boomer says it, oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, the, the economy is on. So this is some bullshit. Fucking the government and the president. No, we need to make a change. We need a new. But when a Gen Zer says it, shut your fucking little pussy ass up, bro. You weak, sensitive piece of shit. You don't know what life is. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers here. I'm just saying I know where she's coming from. I feel her wholeheartedly, man. And I think it's a little unfair to shit all over her just because she's just asking people. And she even admitted I might be being dramatic or annoying. I'm on my period. So maybe I'm just a little too emotional. But guys, let me know. Is this normal? Am I the only one that feels this is fucking crazy? And obviously, I don't know if she's going to listen to this, but I'll say no, sweetheart. You are not the only one. I agree 100%. It's fucking insane. And I know for a fact there are millions, if not billions of other people who think the same thing, you know? I don't think it's fair to say, well, go, go to Cambodia and see how people live. Go to fucking Laos. Go to Angola. Go to the Democratic Republic of Congo and see how they're living there. It's like, well, I'm not from there, bro. I'm not from there. That's not my reality, okay? What's happening over there has nothing to do with me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if this happened when you were kids. But when I was a kid, it was very common to see in TV shows and sometimes in real life when a kid's complaining about not being able to get a get some ice cream or a new pair of shoes or a PlayStation, the parents would say something like, well, well, think about the starving kids in Africa. You want to be one of those kids? It's like, well, obviously not, dog, but I don't see how that's relevant. I still want ice cream. You know what I'm saying? One thing has nothing to do with the other. One thing has nothing to do with the other. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I'm in a much better situation than many other people on the planet. That doesn't mean my situation isn't fucked up. It's still relative. I was born in the U.S. and I have no control over that. You know, so I think comparing the situation in the U.S. to the situation in a country that's doing much worse is like a way of overlooking the actual problem. It's dismissive. You're just dismissing the entire argument or conversation by saying, well, other people in other places have it worse. Like, okay, that doesn't mean that we don't need to solve this problem. You know what I'm saying? We can, like, both things can be true. Things are fucked up here and fucked up over there. What does one have to do with the other? You know? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm really curious to know what y'all think about this, this topic, though. Especially y'all from Gen Z. Do y'all feel where she's coming from? But, I mean, I can't say especially. I want to hear from Gen Z. I want to hear from my fellow millennials, from Gen Xers and the baby boomers, because I know I have all four generations listening to this podcast right now. So let me know what y'all think about this topic and the current state of the world and what we've done to prepare Gen Z for the real world, because I think we've done a very, very, very poor job of preparing these kids for real life. And I don't think that's their fault. I think that's our fault. And so it's easy to sit back and complain about these kids being addicted to their phones, but it's like, just take a walk around your city. How many jobs are available for these kids? How many places can they go to be social and meet other kids? Find a partner, play football, learn a new skill. How many places like that exist in your city, bro? Within walking distance or a short taxi ride? How many things in the city or even inside your home are more interesting than what they can find online? Because it's easy to talk shit about kids being addicted to their phones, but how many parents or brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles are 
actively trying to spend time with these kids so that they don't want to look at their phones and instead they want to be with people they love and build meaningful relationships. How many of us are actually doing that? Right? How many of us are talking to our kids and teaching them the things that they need to know to be prepared for real life? Not very many of us, bro. Most of us are complaining about the public education system. It's so poor in my country. They don't teach you what you need to know. High school was a waste of time. College was a waste of time. And then you turn around and make your kids go through the same fucking process. And then they go through that process and you complain that they don't know shit. Like, come on, dog. What are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? I don't know, bro. I used to be really hard on Gen Z as well. I know I'm a pretty aggressive dude. I talk a lot of shit. But I have to say my perspective has changed as well as I continue to educate myself. And Gen Z, if you're listening, although you do have a responsibility to educate yourself and prepare yourself for real life, now that you are an adult, I will say just understand it's not your fault and that the world will be very harsh and talk a lot of shit and make you feel like you should have everything figured out. But bro, you can't know something that you were never taught. You can't do something that you never learned to do. So it's not all your fault that you're in this position. You were just born at a very strange time, bro. A very strange time in human history. And we're all learning as we go along, trying to figure out how to navigate these huge societal changes, man. So don't be so hard on yourself and understand that a lot of people will never have any empathy for you or your situation. And it's not enough to say, this isn't my fault. Because again, you're, you're entering adulthood. So whether you like it or not, nobody gives a fuck. You got to learn how to stand on your own two feet and figure this shit out just like everybody else, bro. Just like everybody else. So anyway, man, like I said a couple minutes ago, let me know what y'all think. What are your thoughts on Gen Z and the current state of the world and what's being done to support these kids? Because these kids are the fucking future, man. And I don't think they have a lot of support right now. So I'm curious to know y'all thoughts. But that is it. That's all I got for you today, my friend. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kai Sid. <laughs> and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.